Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And yes, we're recapping all the good and not so good performances for all the eligible and most likely participants for the U.S. Men's National Team in the upcoming World Cup, which, if you can believe it, is started in less than a month. It doesn't seem real in some ways. But first, it's time to put Chuck on the hot seat. Where were you last show, Mr. Wagon? Where were you? Yeah, tell us where you were at that time. Well, we want to know where you were. Where were you? What you got were you a nice, doing? For people that can't see, you have a nice fade. So maybe you went and got your hair done. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, full transparency, I was with uh, Major League Soccer's Extra Time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So Wait, the other, the other, uh, the other one, you know, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just realized, I realized we're the side piece, you know? Yeah. Wait, wait. Are like, we, who's the mistress here? Is it, is it them? Is it no, I, I have no side pieces here. I have no, no side, side pieces. pieces. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's into polygamy. That's cool, man. That you have multiple yeah. wives. Yeah. It's That's very true. nice. That's true. Love That's is love. Cool. Love is do? love. Love is love. Yikes. All right. So, Our title of the show is Jesse Marsh under fire because Leeds out of the last eight games have only gotten two points. That's two Mm. out of a possible 24. And it looks like Jesse could be in trouble. He got hired last February. He might not even last a year, which is better than Bob Bradley, but still not great. You want him to be in there for a while. And I want to talk about this a little bit, but I want to use it through the lens of Greg Berhalter and how he approaches the U.S. men's national team because – This feels like a little bit of a system, potential system issue. Now, I know at the club level, you can make changes a little bit more quickly, and and you have transfer windows to solve some of the problems. Now, Leeds sold one of their top players, Rafinha, Calvin Phillips, I guess two of their top players. And and even though Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson have been good, I don't think any of the Leeds fans have problems with that. They have a problem with what Jesse is implementing. Now, what I wanted to ask both of you, and Heath, I'll come to you first on this. You have a system, right? If you're a coach... And your team is creating opportunities mm-hmm. and they're just not scoring. How much of that responsibility should a coach take? Because you are putting your players in a position to succeed. So so yep. that's happening. They're just not taking their chances. Now, defensively, though, they've been very lax. They gave up two goals this past weekend to Fulham on corner kicks and another one off of a throw-in, which is really unacceptable because, as we all know, it's not about talent and set-piece situations. It's about desire and focus. And And... and I feel like there might be some stubbornness here from Jesse. Like, this is my system. This is how I play. And I'm, and I, because they play very narrow leads. And I, that's where the Greg Burhalter piece comes in, where you're trying to try to usher this system in without necessarily adapting to the players that you have at your disposal. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of things that you said in there that are, that are super valid, right? One is you and I know, especially as defenders, when you defend for long periods of time and keep your teams in games and the team gets clear chances and they don't finish. You, start, you can get frustrated over time of saying, hey, give us a break once in a while, right? Give us a little bit of relief as opposed to missing chances and now you keep another team in the game and now you face wave after wave of attack. 
that's one small part of it. The other part is about finishing those chances in, in, in the offense. But this all comes down to, for me, leads just as a system. They get to a certain point of a, in a game and they start to fall apart. Uh, organizationally, they play a high energy system. And it seems like as they start to, somebody starts to punch back on them later and later in matches, individual errors, organization. We've been in games. I actually, I, I go to Charlie uses this game a lot as his biggest memory was against uh, Spain, right? Uh, oh, I thought you meant the one in Mexico where he scored, but okay. Oh yeah, that, that one as well. That's a perfect example of where you score and then you're facing this wave of attacks. And there is mm -hmm. a time when you look into each other's eyes that your highest player up the pitch to your goalkeeper are looking at each other saying, we are not going to be the ones that let that down. It doesn't seem like they have this... I don't want to say that's the mentality, but the leadership of being able to gra grab a game uh, by by the scruff of the is the scruff of the neck is that what the saying scruff is? of the neck uh, yeah and 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 see it out whether you're going to win or get a point it doesn't seem like there's like that it seems like they become smaller the players in the defensive line the back six become smaller and smaller instead of becoming bigger and bigger where you see the presence of your center backs get bigger you see your fullbacks get bigger in challenges you see that energy come to life. We see that energy in their fight early on, higher up the field in place like that. But defensively is where I'm like, man, they sort of are very, very fragile right now. And it's leading to individual errors. It's leading to these moments that, by and large, they look like Norwich looked like throughout the games last year in the Premier League. But in the final 15 minutes where they look a step late, not confident in the challenge, not confident in the attack, not, not confident organizationally to make plays uh, collectively, and that's a that is not a great recipe for success unless your team is getting you a couple gold cushion. So Charlie, I, I got questions here because we're familiar with Jesse enough to know that he it's it's a hundred miles an hour. Let's go put pressure on the ball as soon as we possibly can. Let's try to win it back as high as possible. But it seems like that's making the defense a little bit more vulnerable in this particular situation. So do you think Jesse has it within him? to adapt to the situation and, and maybe be a little bit more conservative in their approach. I don't think he does. And I think he's just going to like, listen, this is my style. This is my system. And whatever happens, happens. But maybe to be more pragmatic could be better for the long-term future of his job at Leeds and maybe any other place that he manages. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a difficult situation. Right? It's a, it's a difficult situation, but you signed up for it. You know exactly the players that you have, the player, the plan to sell Rafinha to Barcelona. You knew that you're bringing Brandon Aronson in. You're going to get Tyler Adams. You knew what the, the players that you had at your disposal. Now, I know the, the general consensus around his philosophy is like Red Bull, you're, we're going to be high, ultra aggressive, high press, condense the field. There, there were times where it, it looked great. The Arsenal game, second half, they took it to Arsenal, top of the table, Arsenal. It did not matter. Leeds showed that they have something, but in the attacking third, they could not finish. Just lacked the finishing touch. So there, they took there it to times, Chelsea. They battered Chelsea where, earlier. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Times you say unlucky. We we salute, but it's results driven because you can't look at the table and say, man, they, he doesn't have enough quality. Yet Bournemouth, Brentford, Everton, who I think is not great at all. I mean, it, it's it's crazy that they're 11th place in the table right now, missing a striker, really. But Brentford, Everton, Crystal Palace, you could argue Crystal Palace, but Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Southampton, and, and Leicester City, those aren't teams that are better than Les Leeds United. They're not, they don't have players that are, you know, so much more talented than what Leeds currently has. So the excuse of, oh, he doesn't have the right talent or enough talent, that I'm not buying that. That That's, throw that out the window, but this team should be doing better than they are. And, and I'm with, with you, Heath, you just have to be able to adjust. You have the grant, the grand scheme. This is how we're going to play. But if it's not going according to plan, then you have to adjust. Maybe it's yeah. okay. We need a result. So we're going to, we're going to put people behind the ball and just defend. We're going to grind this out. Yeah. What's interesting is I Hold wonder if, by the way, Ful Fulham, Fulham, Fulham looked that. like a team in that match. Like they looked like they had a game plan that when they got their moments or their goals and they capitalized on those, you then saw them lock it down in a different way. They made that adjustment, right? And it's easier when you're when you're up when when you're winning. Um, but but Fulham looked much more complete you, of a squad. Do you feel though, because and we can use Norwich as an example, Norwich was in the Premier League last year and just trying to survive. And your 
tactics and your identity is matched with that survival. You're just scra scraping, you're doing the, everything you can and hoping for the best. It didn't work out. Nord's now drops down to the championship and they can play a little bit, baby. They can breathe. Josh Sargent's a good example of that. And, and he's having a lot of success because there's just more opportunities for them to actually play. Fulham got to stamp their identity in the championship last season under Marcus Silva, the manager, and now can bring that up to the Premier League with players that are capable and have had Premier League experience before. And obviously you add a couple pieces. Jesse came into a situation where it was a, a hot mess, a dumpster fire, and he really has never had a chance to, to maybe play under pressure. Again, to your point, he knew what he was getting himself into. So that's what he inherited and that's what he has to live through. But I don't feel like he's ever had a chance to sit down and get a, or, or not be under pressure every single game and allow you're always, you're always uh, I guess even pressure. in the championship you're under pressure I get that <laughs> yeah. but I'm just but at the championship level I think there's room to actually to play and implement a style and he hasn't actually had that chance and he, I think he's trying to do it on a full sprint and and trying to I think when he came in too, trying to implement or keep some of the things that Marcelo Bielsa was doing I don't know it's it's difficult should he be held accountable I'm not trying to say that that I'm, I'm making I don't want to make excuses for him and that's not what I'm trying to do. I just think it's interesting. It sounds I think, like uh, I appreciate you saying these things, Jimmy, so we could still get Jesse on the show. You know, I do appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, I well, do. well I he, he might have Edging. some free time soon. It. He might have some free time yeah. soon. All right, we're going to get into the players a little bit, but I've got one more question for both of you. Now there's four games left before the December break. Okay. And a January transfer window on the back end of that. Leeds traveled to Liverpool. Then they're home to Bournemouth who have turned it around. Then they play Wolves in the League Cup. And then they're away to Tottenham. Do you give Jesse Marsh those four games and then make a decision in the December break about what you want to do moving forward? Or are you just are you are you committed to him? Charlie, I'll come to you on this. Are you committed to Jesse throughout the season? Because it seems like he's got a great relationship with the board and the owner. I don't think he gets the full season. Given the results are are poor like this, he's not getting mm -hmm. the full season. He he already has a longer leash than Bob Bradley, so th that's encouraging because they're saying, "Hey, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're still we're still behind you, and you you haven't won a game in a long time, and four off the back of four straight defeats, we're still behind you." However, they have Liverpool next on the road. I don't see them getting a result there. That would be a miracle if they were to win at Anfield and certainly a boost to 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 the to the squad and i guess a vote of confidence in jesse but then that home game against bournemouth i think it would come down to that if they lost to bournemouth at home given where they are i think that could be the end of yeah. jesse because that's I, six six straight yeah. losses yeah and i think that if they lose in the league cup as well and get knocked out of that competition to wolves that could really signal it if, if they lose the Bournemouth as well it's it's interesting think, think about it because that's then following that it's at Tottenham home to Manchester City and then away to Le Newcastle you're you're taking L's up the wazoo you yeah, need yeah, you need yeah. to win at home against Bournemouth and if you don't that for me if I'm on the board at Leeds United I'm going um we have to stay in the Premier League and if we lose this game I don't I have zero confidence that this manager can turn around in time for us to stay in the prem and well, you me, have to me, give every opportunity for for the squad to to stay in the premier league. Let me ask you this Jimmy, do you think do you think Jesse Marsh still has the locker room, right? Because Jesse Marsh rah 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 the intensity, the expectations all these had he didn't win over uh, RB Leipzig, right? Uh during his time there. And now he's here, he won them over in the fight to stay in the premier league, right? That is a great that mentality that that expectation. Great when 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 you're the underdog fighting to stay and it's an X amount of games to stay in the league and you become like a, a, a hero or zero, right? Now you're going into a league and, and a, a situation where it started the season pretty strong and then they've hit this dip since the first two games of the season. Do you think he still has the locker room? And 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 one and two, what do you, do you think he knows what it takes to go from where they're at now to how they're going to actually start getting results because you're starting to see the theme again was that, Oh yeah, they're, I'd say this yesterday, Charlie on, on, um, on, on the other podcast that we, Jimmy and I were on. Um, but it's called the extra theme, time. <laughs> I know what, what, what's the name of it, Jimmy? What's the name of the new house of champions, house, house of champions. champions. I keep calling it house of football. It's house of champions. So, um, but the, the theme was, Oh yeah, you're, I, at least for me, was it's getting better and better. The stretches are getting better and better. But now, to me, the theme is actually you're 
you can't solve the last part, which is the only part that's going to get you results. And that's closing out games in the uh, late in the second half or, or mental errors individually. Do you think he knows what the issue is and how to fix that? Is it about changing his style or is it about like addressing the I, issue that is sort of running through the players? I, I think the hardest part about this whole thing is that they have shown even recently against Arsenal that they have something to their team under how Jesse plays. And it seems like maybe the players just elevate their game against the top, top teams in the league. I mean, cause they played incredibly well against Chelsea created their own luck. Brendan Aronson scored that first goal when he stripped it from, mm -hmm. from Mendy. And I think that gave them kind of that wind, uh, you know, to, to push them forward and, and to continue to get it. And Chelsea was a little vulnerable at that time under Tuchel. They, they seemed a little fragile. So that's what's disappointing is that they have elements of their game, but they shut off at the wrong time. And what I was disappointing, or, or I'll, I'll actually reference my time when I was there and I got to go to training and they spent 20 minutes in the video meeting looking at what Barnsley did on set pieces. Okay. And, and where they could on, on attacking, right? What, what they could do to exploit how Barnley's, Barnsley defends. And then conversely, what Barnsley does on, on attacking set pieces. They gave up a goal in that game in the League Cup to Barnsley on a set piece. If there's been any consistency that's been a negative for them, is just shutting off on set pieces. We Arsenal used to do that all the time in big games for a while. They've gotten that out of their system. Those are very controllable. They feel like preventable goals. So... That's why when I see Jesse's body language and his facial reactions after losing to Fulham, he just seems like, I don't know what else I can do. That's the body language vibe I'm getting from him. I don't know what else I can do. I can't go out there and clear headers myself for these guys on, on set pieces. I can't go out there and mark. And not that he doesn't have answers, but what else can he work on? Now there's plenty of tactics in their transition game and they play very narrow. Doesn't always work. And he gets in sinister in the right spots. You know, there's all these little things that you can nitpick. But it's good. Again, it's results oriented. It's tough. It's really, really tough. And and I just wonder because Aston Villa fired Steven Gerrard, who is obviously a very decorated player, and they went on to win 4-0 in their first game without Steven Gerrard, that the owners of Leeds could see that and be like, maybe it's time. Maybe Sean Dyche is available. He's done a lot with a little for many years in the Premier League. And maybe he's the guy that can take us forward. And, and maybe the players do need to hear a different voice. I don't know. It's unfortunate. I hope that he gets the opportunity to fight through it. He's had, obviously, eight games, and they haven't figured it out. And I wonder how long that leash is going to be. But I just wanted to talk about that because I think there are some similarities to Greg Berhalter at times who loves his system. And I, I think that's my big thing. You, you go in, and I had, I'll actually bring this back. I had a conversation with Jay Heaps before he took over as coach at New England Revolution. And I said to him, okay, you have a system of how you want to play. Well, let's say 10 games in, your system isn't working, and you're seeing that the, when you have the most success, it's just hitting it long, trying to win the second ball and playing from there. But you haven't won a game in 10 games. I mean, you're probably going to resort to that. And your whole everything that you stand for, everything that you wanted to be a coach about, everything you wanted to teach, you now have to throw out the window because that's not what gets you success in this particular league against this particular opponent and whatever it is. And he's like, yeah, I guess at that point, I'd have to throw all that away. And, and I found that to be fascinating. And so yeah. when you get to this level and everything you work for, everything you get your coaching licenses for, your four pillars of the game, all the stuff that you want to do, you're now going to throw that out the window and, and sacrifice what you stand for to, to get rid. It's crazy. It's, it's a really interesting thing that, that I Charlie. think it's hard to, hard to let go. This is the Jimmy Charlie, Conrad how, podcast, how, by the how way. Much, yeah, by the way, Charlie, uh, I hope you're well-rested now to come off of Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy's uh, rant there. I, I, have no, I have no oxygen. He's sucking Yeah, us. seriously, it took, it took all the oxygen out of the show. My camera's foggy right now from Jimmy talking so much. Uh, well, I got, I got to say this, Charlie. Jimmy, sounds like Jimmy's got a nice little consulting gig on the side, huh? Just motivating coaches and doing a little mentorship for, for some of the guys that yeah, looked up absolutely. to Jimmy during his career. Uh, so what are you gonna do? What, what are you gonna do if you're life coach? Fails? Life coach. Yeah. That's my okay. new nickname. Let, Jimmy let me life help coach you out here. I'm gonna give you some positive reinforcement. Let do me it. Help <laughs> you out. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the players because some of our let's players did absolutely awesome this past week. I want to start with Weston McKinney, who scored his first goal of the Serie A season and his second across all competitions in Juve's big 4-0 win over Empoli. He also scored against uh, PSG in the Champions League on match day one. He has scored six of his 12 goals in Juve, for Juve, with his head. Only one midfielder, Lazio, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, has scored more goals using his head in the league since Weston McKinney joined Juventus. Big performance. 
my concern, Charlie, I come to you about Weston McKinney. We haven't really scored on a set piece in a while, or it doesn't feel like we have. Maybe against Honduras at home in World Cup qualifying. Maybe I thought I thought Walker maybe toe poked one in. Weston scored on a header, maybe from Mikel and Acosta free kick. Am I wrong on that? Was that the right opponent? I'm not even sure. But talk to me about Weston McKinney. Honduras. I don't know. It was the one. It was really cold. Was that the one where they scored? Anyway, it's been a while since we scored on a set piece. Mm -hmm. That's that's why I can't remember it. That's how long it's been. Yeah. It's awesome that he he's getting on the score sheet for Juve and and trying to figure out ways to make an impact and scoring goals off a set piece. Great. We're going to need him in the World Cup. I, I know some people I've seen saying, I don't think Weston should be starting with this group. He's going to be starting. He, he's he's just a, a massive personality, a, a fantastic uh, midfielder when it comes to aerial duels, set pieces, someone who, who's got a body who can tackle – he has that tenacity when you ask him to 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 play in that manner. And I think with Juve, if he plays deeper, I mean, if even with the U.S. Men's National Team, if he can play a little deeper and then in transition can can go out the right side and be that the kind of a right sided midfielder in possession because he does like to get up the flank. That's fine, but I would prefer if he'd stay central and be a little bit more defensive for us when we are um, defending and and even when we have the ball late runs into the attacking half, not getting too high too soon. Be more of an option uh, in, in build-up play. And if you have to drag people out and be more of a decoy in build-up play, great. Allow some more space in the attacking half uh, for, for the attacking midfielder, whether that's Yunus Musa or whoever is playing nine. And I can't wait to get in this conversation about the nine. No, I want to get into it as well. But of course, some other players have scored a goal and I'm going to bring one up. Uh, very soon, but I did want to say with regard to Weston, for him to join the box late, that means we have to get the ball wide and have some time for our players out wide to actually pick up their head and, mm -hmm. and pick people out. And and that, at least in our last two games, was a bit of a struggle to do that consistently. At least, Serginho Dest obviously had a good chance early on against Japan that uh, Jesus Ferrer put over. But let's talk about Gio Reyna. We got to do it. Not only are we going to talk about him right now, he he may or may not be joining us Later this week on the show. I'm just throwing that out there. I can't I can't confirm or deny whether this rumor is true, but there's a I'm hearing I'm hearing from sources that Gio Reyna might be joining us this week on Insoc We Trust. Uh, Jimmy yeah. Conrad, who is your source? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know. It's like Fabrizio <laughs> Romano or something. I don't know. So let's talk about Gio Reyna. He made his first start of the Bundesliga season, a memorable one. He uh, scored his first goal in 421 days. Last time he scored was in August 27, 2021. Mm. Man, and I hate when it, stats like that come out. They hurt. They hurt a lot. They hurt because they, they realize hurt. a year year goes it's by. It's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. You know, you know, last season he only played in ten league games, so that is uh, it. You could see how much it meant to him to score. Uh, Jude Bellingham scored two as well. Borussia Dortmund playing very well ahead of their game against Manchester City this uh, this midweek. But but talk to me about Giorena getting on the field and uh, scoring a goal. That's that's good news for U.S. Men's National Team fans. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree, man. I, I think I think it's awesome. You realize just how how impactful and important he is. It, it's been so easy over the last not easy over the last year, but to to have Giorena fall into the into the conversation of like, is he a starter? Is he not? Where does he fit into the national team? Because he was out. But when you see the impact that he has at Dortmund at that level, it, it goes back to our conversation and our arguments of like. We need to play with 13 players right now because Giorena needs to be on the field for this national team. And they go, oh, well, yeah, we'll you know, protect him from himself and injury and super sub and whatever. And you're like, no, this guy is good. But it all goes back to, again, I know Charlie wants to get to the nines, but if we do not get the ball in and around the box, then our attack is useless, right? Mm -hmm. If we do not get mm -hmm. the ball into dangerous areas, whether that's um, whether that's Yunus Musa driving the ball forward to connect the lines or whatever it is, we cannot get Giorena, who's great at combination play, give and goes, one twos, getting in and around the box, one on one uh, battles, getting it, you know, just all the things, little things that you need. If he cannot be in, in, a, in an area where he's combining with his teammates, then Giorena is useless. If Brendan Aronson cannot get the ball at higher parts on the field uh, or pick the ball away or, or start us by winning the ball uh, higher on the field, then he is useless. If, 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 uh, uh, Christian Pulisic has to drop back into our own half to get the ball, then he is useless. And so we've got to figure out how to get, if, because we are playing to to cater to our attacking, uh, whatever, five or six, right? Because we have Eunice Musa on the field. You have Weston McKinney on the field. You have one strike. We're playing with one striker. You have two wingers there. 
If we do not get those five players into the attack and in and around the box, then it is useless. And then we need to change our system, which I know we're not going to do. And we went over that last week. But a player like uh, Gio Reyna, when he gets the ball in these spots, he anywhere on the field, he's dangerous. But when he's getting the ball higher up the field, whether it's on the inside or out on the wings, he is so dangerous. But if we can't get him the ball there, then what's the point, right? And, I, and, and that's the thing that I come to when I watch him play for Dortmund. He gets the ball in such amazing spots because they dictate the game. They control the flow of the game. They, they, they implement their style on most teams. But if that's not what the national team is capable of, then I just wonder how effective can any of our attackers be? Because we obviously see the team right now not creating a lot of offense. Yeah, there's definitely teams that are trying to congest that that middle third of the field, which I think makes it very difficult. So maybe we should ask questions of Gio Reyna about these particular issues if we get the opportunity, that is. It's a rumor. It's a rumor. So let's talk about the number nine because one of our number nines, Ricardo Pepe, is in fine form. And he played against probably the best opponent he's faced so far in the area to VC, PSV Eindhoven, who are, well, they were second going into this particular matchup. And he scored the first goal. And... It was a good one, just following up the play, finding himself mm -hmm. in good spots. But when I think about it, Chuck, because our resident number nine, I thought his hold-up play throughout this game was immense. I mm -hmm. thought he did very well to drop into the pocket. He made good dynamic runs when the ball was wide in particular to either create space for himself or for some of his teammates. That led to uh, Groningen's fourth goal. They ended up winning 4-2. to two. So it's a big, big result. And I thought Ricardo Pepe was a key catalyst to why they got this result outside of the goal alone. Talk to me about him because right now, the more I see him perform and the more confidence that I see him get, he looks like the guy that I think might should or should be starting that for was us. I was against PSV, by the way, and he was yeah. he, he made the team of the week in, in, in the Eredivisie, which is no easy task on scoring no. a goal. Like his impact over nine uh, over his playing time was amazing. Well, just watching Jesus Ferreira, who is su supposed to the number one right now, he played like a midfielder in the playoffs. He didn't play like a striker. He, he was level with with, you know, at times, defensive midfielder, Quinone. And Ariola and and the other winger uh, were, were both higher than uh, Jesus Ferra. So for me, if I'm watching a player thrive in, in Holland, which is Ricardo Pepe right now, he's doing all those things that we're going to need from our striker. Play off the defender's back shoulder. Also, checking deep. Hold up play, being strong, knowing what that means to keep possession for your team. They're playing PSV, obviously a, a, a top two, usually, team in, in the, the Dutch league every year. Ruud van Nistelrooy coaches these guys well. And here you have a player playing against these guys and knowing how to survive, how, how to win, how to beat the better team. And the tactics are spot on for Ricardo Pepe in this match, just being able to hold up, check run into space, but defensively as well, the pressure. I know Greg Berhalter loves both sides of the ball, being able to dictate the pressure for everyone behind you. He did that, and he's able to win the ball back just with his pressure. The more and more I watch him play and the more he's he's continuing to gain confidence and also develop from the playing time, the more I think he should be starting and should be the number one heading uh, into that game against Wales. Whereas Jesus Ferra, for me over the past you know couple of weeks, month or so, I'm seeing him not continue to excel. There was a period where he was excelling. He's playing off the back shoulder, making runs. Now he's checking too deep. He's, you think he's, he's trying to do too? Do you think he was trying to do too much? I feel like if you're trying to if you're dropping too deep and you play that high. Because you're trying, you're trying to control the game as as opposed to letting the game come to you. Does that make sense? Maybe it does make sense. But the whole the whole point I think of 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 the nine for the national team is you have to create space for the midfielders. The midfield is the strongest part of the U.S. men's national team. It's the it's the core for us. You need to give them space to run into. If they beat their one player and you're too high, now you're bringing a center back, if not two, because they don't they don't they don't have to be fearful of a pace. You're not threatening them, so they can come high. And if your outside or your outside wingers are tucked in, which Christian Pulisic has been doing, he's coming in to check to get on the ball. You have no deep threats, so that's why Timothy Way I think is really important that he starts for us because he gives us that threat. But I'd say more importantly now, Ricardo Pepe being in form and fit and playing and scoring goals has to play because he'll, he will make runs in behind. And if yeah. you, if you congest that middle and clog it, you're taking away all our, our playmaker space. So uh, for me, I think at the moment I'm really push, I'm, I'm leaning towards Ricardo Pepe. I mean, I, I was, I watched Jesus for continue to grow and I was, I, I'm advocating for him because he's doing well. 
He, he's done nothing to lose the job. But at, at certain point, you have to take it up a notch. I was hoping that this playoff series, we'd see him rise to the occasion. Oh, we're playing uh, Austin, Texas rivalry. I'm going to be here. I'm going to help my team get over the hump. And, and he just he just wasn't effective. No, he wasn't effective, and and that's disappointing for him, and, and he's probably seen some of his minutes evaporate given how well some of the other number nines are playing. And also, for everybody that might be joining us for the first time, we think that Jordan Pifok should be on the team, but we're talking about players that we think that Greg Berhalter will most likely start and or play because we're big Jordan Pifok fans here, but uh, and he's doing well for Union Berlin in, in the Bundesliga, but we still feel like he's a situational player. Well, if we're down a goal, we need to whip crosses and he'd be Gabe, I was faster. <laughs> Charlie Davies answering questions about who is faster between him or Timo Weah. That's fantastic. Oh, crazy, because uh, I was oh. faster than both. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> but what's crazier is that Jonathan Morsi was even faster than you, Heath. All right, so oh, yeah. one of my things. You just, you just took him uh, out right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. Two-point tackle. <laughs> what, I, what I really loved about Ricardo Pepe, and then I'm going to throw it over to uh, Ricardo Pepe's number one, Stan Heath Pierce was that he had some good hold-up play under pressure when he did drop deep. And he would play it off of his shoulder, which unlocked some of our central – or Groningen central midfielders to, to attack that space that was then by him coming in, which ultimately, when I saw those kind of uh, link-up plays, is where Eunice Musa and Weston McKinney are going to pick up the ball. And when they can get the ball and run at a back line – and the wingers, I thought, for Groningen did an excellent job of staying higher, to your point uh, – Charlie, of getting that verticality. You can't lose that. I thought in some of the games, most recently Japan and Saudi Arabia, those are the most recent, where we had our striker who was alone up there, and when they would drop in, there was still nobody in advance of that particular player, and that that just makes everything a lot more congested and tight and harder to play through. So that needs to be up there. Our wingers have to be uh, up high and pushing that line up as high as possible so it creates those gaps in midfield. But I thought Ricardo Pepe, his hold of play was immense. And if that can happen consistently for us, I like that because it brings more of our talented and, and attack more more of our talented attacking players into the game, Heath. Well, uh, when I think about classic our, our historical national team, right, always having a striker that you can get the ball to, big or small, and more often than not, they're going to win that duel to either draw a foul, keep the ball for you. And then when I think about top strikers around the world, right, uh, um, Benzema. Uh, when I think about um, um, Lewandowski. They're known for scoring all their goals. But if you watch Benzema move on the field, if you watch Lewandowski, they are almost 100% every single game at hold-up play. You put it into them and they're scrapping, they're dueling, maybe they're off balance, but they're so good at getting that touch first, getting it down and laying it off. And that's something that this national team has always lacked. When Ricardo Pepe is on the field for this national team, though, he tends to be the best at hold-up play, of getting the ball, laying it off, little flicks, little things that break pressure in some way. Um, and, and he's good at that, getting a toe on it in a, in a 50-50, doing those little things that keep the team moving in the right direction, hold up play, turnovers, because we need to be able to at times, whether it's in the World Cup or otherwise, lump a ball up and know that we can scrap for it, get up underneath for second balls, or get a ball into the corner and know that they're going to make the right decision with it. We've struggled with that, and I think that's been a huge issue. We talk about, oh, yeah, you know, four touches in the first half or five touches in the first half, or they didn't do anything in the first half. Our strikers, because... One, I don't think we've ever trusted that that we have a target there that that can relieve pressure for us in a way that we've seen in the past past uh, past strikers for the national team. And two, finding a way to have that interactivity. If I'm a center back and I can lump a ball up to a uh, center forward who can hold the ball up, lay it off, I know that it's like, okay, that's one option. Now maybe I don't want to use that option. I want to play through the lines in some other way. It's just other ways in which we can bring our strikers into the game and those strikers can contribute to the way that we want to play. And Ricardo Pepe, I still think, is is better at it than the other strikers that we have. Given you know, Pfock, uh, I, I I do believe can do that. But yeah, I'm curious for both of you. When you were playing and you had a striker who you knew was fast, and the whatever the philosophy is, it's let's just say the coach says, "I want you guys to play out of the back, no long balls." But everything's closed down, and you have this striker up top who can get in behind, and you know, worst case scenario, I can play this into the channel, and he will get it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's sometimes the first option, but at least I know I got this striker that I can rely on. How beneficial was that? And did you ever have a player, you know, that you were playing with every every week that could do that for you? That's a good question. I'm trying to harken back to I, you know, I played 50 years ago, as you guys remember. So I know. I, but you, So you played with a ton of people. <laughs> I played with a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, seriously. 
like running the channels. I mean, when, and when Eddie Johnson was feeling it and feeling good and, and open and ready to, to uh, honestly, sometimes when he played, he's, he's unplayable. Defenders couldn't do anything with him. And he, if he checked in and then, and then, you know, he checked in to know that he, you're going to put it in the channel. He he was always going to get to the ball first, and so if we him and I were on the same page with that type of stuff, yeah, that's an easy way to solve some of the problems and and uh, kind of skip some of the frustration of trying to play through a congested I, midfield. That's, Ryan, that is why I said I prefaced it every week, not with the national team. I said every <laughs> week. Hey. I want to know if there's a striker that they play with on club that you you knew you could they could relieve. Uh, pressure or stress that you you were under press you're like i have no options who can i play to i know i can play it into the channel and this striker will get there jimmy do you ever do you ever wonder what it's like to listen to this on audio when charlie just goes rogue into the comments and just jumps into <laughs> it for people that are on the on the live show just i do people I think do. Char charlie's just talking to a magical person sometimes and just doing like, <laughs> ryan ryan well, yeah, question. I, yeah. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> I, I I give love to the people in the chat. I I, I love it. I, yeah. I love, I love it, that too. It, it I love should that be too. interactive. It's a, it's a two way conversation. But it should. Uh, on that, I mean, there's been times, Charlie, that you're in a game, right? And and the game is condensed, and you know where the solution is, but nobody's looking for it, right? You know the solution's mm -hmm. over the top, and occasionally you give the like you the sign to your center back. You touch your eye of saying like this. You're pointing over the top. You're doing these things that are allowing me as a center back or me as a left fullback to know. Hey, there's some space here. They're condensing the field. They're making a small on us. And and you, as a striker, knowing, hey, there's an opportunity for me here if we can execute it of giving that sign to say, hey, I'm going to check in. Or or if there's a little break when you're close on a corner kick of saying, hey, take a look over the top. You know, I'm going to check in and spin out on the next one. Mm -hmm. Next time you see it, hit that ball. And and those are the types of things that that you have to be able to do that are kind of in real time, acknowledging where you know you know, and we know Charlie's going to always say kind of. Look for me uh, on every this, pass. I do this one. Yeah. Hey, yeah. this one. <laughs> but, but sometimes that's all it takes is being able to connect. I remember, I'm pretty sure, Charlie, it was the goal uh, that you and I had together um, where you, you, where you finished go. it, where it was a long ball. But I, I think it was from Chad Marshall that hit me the ball over the top. But I was a left fullback, and he, and he was – we had talked like, hey, man, if you can cheat up, I'm going to hit you that long ball. And I set that up. I we discussed that and I was able to cheat forward. He hit that ball, got us in behind the back line. Granted, um, you know, not 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 the highest uh, level we were playing against, but those little things that happen in real time where you can communicate mm -hmm. and be like, hey, mm -hmm. I see something here, um, can change the whole dynamic of how you attack because it requires players on the field to see the game from different angles to sometimes know where that space or that that danger can be that can change or at least force another team to respect you. Uh, uh, yeah. or, I mean, I, I would say for Jimmy. Because I remember just saying, man, I feel that there's an advantage here. I'm mm -hmm. seeing it. I don't know if any, anyone else sees it, but let me communicate on the next dead ball situation or throw in. And as soon as I get that opportunity, hey, this guy's cheating to 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 me checking to the ball. Like I'm gonna come to you and then I'm gonna spin, find me in the channel. And then the next thing time you get it, it works to perfection. You're like, see, we're on the and, same page. And I think that's where our frustration lies with this particular team or at least in the last two performances where it's almost like we're we're adhering so much to the system that we're not allowing room to have these types of conversations not to say the guys aren't but just that it's not necessarily we're not seeing it at least and and that, that it's okay to get out of the system if if a, a, a an advantage presents itself i think is, is where we need to go so yeah there's a lot to unpack here and that's a great question charlie i'm glad that uh, it's not just some random unicorn that you're talking to that nobody else knows some invisible hey. person you're doing it <laughs> all right you make we're, a gonna, good team. we're gonna take our first and only break of in soccer we trust when we come back we're gonna do a three up and three down we'll probably include tim ream serginio des tyler adams cameron carter vickers just to throw some names out there all of our goalkeepers so do not go anywhere when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to It's Soccer With Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pearson. I want to let everybody know that you can watch the UEFA Champions League, the Europa League, the Europa Conference League, Serie A, Copa Italia, CONCACAF, World Cup qualifying, NWSL, Scottish Premiership, the Brasileiro, Argentine Primera Division by subscribing to Paramount+. Plus. And if you use the offer code UEFA22, we have a QR code on the top here. If you're watching on the YouTubes, you can get a free one-month trial courtesy of us because we're the most awesome people, you know. That is all the information. So go make that happen. The code, once again, is UEFA22 and go get your free one-month trial of Paramount+. Plus, Especially right now. We got Match Day 5 and Match Day 6 coming up. But let's do a little bit more recapping as we get into our – or eventually get into our three up and three down of our U.S. Men's National Team player pool. I want to talk about Sergio Dest, outside back resident Heath Pierce. Uh, he started and played 45 minutes for AC Milan against Monza, but apparently he came out injured. He's not traveling with the team for the Champions League, a big one that they must win against Dinamo Zagreb on match day five if they want to stay relevant in the knockout round conversation. He did train, but just away from the team, Heath. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous here about Sergio Dest because I thought he did some good things attacking-wise in his 45 minutes on the field. Yeah, I mean, he he's continued to... And, and and what I like about his situation is he came in first starting and they talked about he's third on the depth chart. He's all these things. But you go through a season and players get injured, you get your opportunities, and con- he continues to, to improve his standing within AC Milan, which is a great sign for him in the future. The downside is, is obviously coming off at half, training away from the team. That worries me. The good thing is he is training, so I'm not too worried uh, about all that. And hopefully it's just precautions knowing that a team like AC Milan is playing two games a week um, and and they need that depth <clears throat> knowing also that he's going towards uh, the World Cup. And so uh, I guess, yeah, the upside is what he did when he was on the field. The downside is, you know, what what happens next in terms of how long will he be out? What type of issue? Is it a reoccurring one? Is it a little little nag like like a lot of people have um, right now? Uh, and only time will tell that. As we are getting closer, by the way, um, when I'm looking at my three up, three down, there is going to be a couple people in my down that I'm just worried about uh, heading towards the World Cup, not necessarily performance related, just because of the fact that they're not on the field right now. Yeah, I uh, I think I have a name in mind that you're going to bring up. But uh, let's flip it over to another injury concern. And go back to this Leeds-Fulham game. Obviously, a lot of Americans participated in this one. But one that did not, Tyler Adams, who is being held out due to a muscle injury. Any concerns there for you, Charlie? I think of any manager in the world that could be really looking out for the U.S. men's national team, it would be Jesse Marsh. But but what are we saying about Tyler Adams? It, it seems like it's a minor thing, more precautionary, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like his presence was missed against Fulham. Yeah, for me, it, it's just a precautionary um, instance of of just making sure that this player is is fit to go. And you Leeds can't afford to have him out either. And we, mm-hmm. we saw how much he was missed this weekend against Fulham. They just need him in the lineup and then he's he's central to our success for the u.s men's national team so i'm glad that they they i mean this has been an incredible season from him from a, a playing standpoint he's playing every match he's been, it's been consistent there haven't there haven't been any health concerns so i think for the first time in in his career he's he's playing 90 minutes every single match and the expectation so high we we see the demand of the premier league he's he's i think he's rose to the he's rose he's risen to the challenge so for me I, i'm not worried at all and this is smart from not only tyler adams to say okay i, I see it i need a little break but also from from jesse marsh considering all the pressure he is uh he's under for for his job okay no i agree with you on that and and disappointed i wanted to see him get a run out but but obviously i want him to be in- incredibly healthy and as close to 100 as possible for the u.s let's talk about brendan aronson and Charlie, I'm going to come back to you on this, and then and then Heath, I'm going to go to you for uh, Anthony Robinson and Tim Ream talk. Mm-hmm. But Brendan Aronson, not that he didn't have an impact in this game, he's obviously doing his thing, but it doesn't seem like he's on the tip of our tongues, at least when I hearken back to you know the last podcast of him being an automatic starter for us. It seems like 
he might just have to be that super sub. I don't think Gio Reyna is going to be 90-minute fit in, in a month's time. So I can see Brendan Aronson coming on for him if he does start Gio Reyna. For the last thirty Where, minutes, where, where's Timothy Weah in that case? I agree. I agree. It's it it G, uh, Timothy Weah for everybody came on with twenty four minutes left in Leo's four three win over Monaco. It was three three when he came on and he helped. Well, he was on the field when they ended up getting the winner. So he's got some good vibes coming off the bench, but uh, he doesn't look like at this particular moment like he's going to be ninety minutes fit either, Charlie. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it's interesting because because you know Aronson obviously has his qualities. But we've talked about it before, having some contrast with some of our players. Gio gives mm-hmm. us a contrast from Christian. Timo gives us a little bit of a contrast from everybody else. Brendan kind of kind of does what Christian does, you know? So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on Brendan Aaron? We're really not talking about him as a starter anymore. No, I, I don't think he'll be starting for, for the U.S. national team. There might be a game where he, he starts in maybe it's Iran or England if, if someone picks up an injury. But as far as the depth chart, you know Christian Pulisic is the starter at the left wing spot, and that's not changing. I expect him to play every single match, and given there's no injuries. And one, he's hungry. He's determined. He might be lacking match fitness, but I don't think that'll be an issue for him. It's literally tactically where he is and, and how many touches he feels he needs to take. The le- I think less is more in that case. So I think Christian is, is the lock starter, probably not going to be subbed unless he, he is fatigued. And then you have the nine, which is still up for debate. I think at the moment it's between Ricardo Pepe and and Jesus Ferreira as the starter. And then on the right wing spot, I think it's Timothy Weah at the moment just because he is different. But I could see Greg Berhalter saying, okay, we're starting Timothy for this game because we're going to play a certain way versus, okay, now we're going to start Gio Reyna for this game. So in, in looking at that first game against Wales, if Wales sits a little bit more and in those matches where it's a little bit tougher and, and, and they're going to be condensed, I think those are the matches where you want Gio Reyna because he's good in tight spaces. He can, he can create off the dribble mm-hmm. versus England. All right, we're going to guys, we're going to sit back a little bit more, be a little bit more pragmatic and defensive. Mm-hmm. We need a counter Timothy way. You're starting at right wing. Cause you're going to be able to be really effective on the counter for us. So I could I could see him mix mixing matching. And then the third choice is is Brandon Aronson. Maybe that's the sub for Christian Pulisic if he's not playing at hundred percent. Maybe that's the sub for Yunus Yunus Musa and you can move Gio Reyna there and and you know plug in Brandon Aronson. So I, I think he is he's on the depth chart and he's pro, he's under Gio Reyna if if Timothy Weah is starting and if mm-hmm. Timothy's Weah is starting I think he's he's also behind Timothy Weah just just because of, of how this team is set up, it, it's really difficult to find a spot for Brandon Aronson, even though he's starting and playing in the Premier League every week. Yeah, I think it's pretty effing cool that we have players that are starting in the Premier League that might not be automatic starters for us. That's really unheard of, and that just speaks to the talent of this particular generation that we have this much quality in our team. So, Heath, I'm going to come to you because we have a Premier League captain who might not even make the trip to Qatar and Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson starting to get his sea legs back, starting to get 90 minutes more regularly. That's a great sign because we were a little worried when uh, Kurosawa came in that he might lose some minutes, but it looks like the left back spot under Marco Silva is his, which is nice. But let's talk about Tim Ream, Keith Pierce. I know you're waving yeah. at the camera and it's great to see I'm you. Waving. I'm waving. Just, back to I'm, you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just checking. I'm trying to get you. You guys are literally both talking so much today that I'm, it's like just fogging up my screen. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if, yeah. you guys, if anybody can still All see right. me at home here. So I'm here just checking some go. of the lighting to yeah. make sure you guys still nice see me on this. Bl- nice blur I, effect you got going on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's exactly. nice. So, it's kind so of Tim Ream. How it works. Uh, Halloween. Tim it's Halloween. All right. Here we go. So, Tim playing out of pressure. Excellent playing out of pressure. You know, do you want do you want me to go into my my uh my three up uh, just for yeah, the sake of it? Yeah, just go. Let's go. Just hop in there. Let's just hop in. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Hey, little buddy. Hey, just yeah, jump just out. Of buddy. Water, 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 water. Hey, the water is warm. Uh, take this. Take I'm, this. Uh, take it. There you go, pal. Here's the baton. Okay. Run. Run. Here's my first. Here's my three up. Tim Ream. Uh, I think number one. Is this power rankings? Yeah. Power rankings. This is a three up. Guys, stop that. You don't put those words in my mouth. Okay. I'm. I'm. Tim Ream. Uh, is is up because again he continues to show his, his quality. Now we can sit and break down on Greg, and, and this goes back to the, the Brendan Aronson argument, which is like if our team's going to be a high pressing team, I want Bern, Brendan Aronson on the field to start. I don't want Tim Ream on the field if he's got to play the high line all the time. But 
considering we're trying everything and every opponent's going to be different, why would you not want a Tim Ream around uh, to bring some organization and some experience both on and off the field? So Tim Ream is, is, is one of my uh, three up. Eric Palmer Brown, captain over the weekend uh, in, 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 in France. Another up for me. Because when I'm thinking about Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman not playing for 39 days until the start of the World Cup, I'm thinking about other uh, who else can be trending upward during this window of time where where our, our center backs are are vulnerable. And then number three is Mark McKenzie continues to play. They win over Royal Antwerp. They're sitting on top of the table. They're winning consistently. My three up are all center backs, and that to me is a good sign. Now whether or not uh, Greg heeds the call of uh, taking chances on on these players. I at least think that's a sign that we've got players playing consistently. Eric Palmer-Brown captaining a team in Liga, which is fantastic. Um, Tim Ream has his team in the top half of the table and continuing to make uh, big plays in, in games and just showing his comfort playing in the Premier League, right? System aside. And then, and then Mark McKenzie also having just a really good bounce-back season after a, a year lost in a team that's at the top of the table in Belgium right now. So those are my three three up, if you guys want to go feed off go that. Go ahead, Charlie. Go ahead, Charlie. Go three up. Give us your three, your three up. Three up. Gio Reyna, one. Nice. Yeah. 66 minutes, start, and a goal. You could, you could see when he scored that goal just before half what it meant to him. The pressure of performing, the pressure of being healthy, the excitement of, of what's in front of him with the league and with the World Cup. Just you, you, you couldn't feel any more happiness for, for a player. Um, so that was amazing to see. Uh, Ricardo Pepe uh, scoring against PSV, continuing to, to make an impact with this, this loan move. Not too many people fall into a situation like this with a loan. Think about it. He was, he was in purgatory. Big time signing, club record signing for Augsburg. Not playing at all. Not even sometimes, not even, not even making the bench. Here he is. He gets a loan to the, to the top division in in Holland to a team that's flow, you know, in the middle, and he's relied on to to get results in a in a it's a high pressure situation for a club like Groningen. He's come into the situation and has just thrived. And not only is he playing, he's developing at the same time, building confidence, working on his hold up play, working on uh you know the transition whether it's defending to to all of a sudden being the guy relied on to winning the ball back for his club and turning it into to points, into goals. And by the way, Charlie, he, he came into that situation in a situation that I wasn't sure was going to be great because they had just bought Florian Kruger, who is a German youth international from, from mm -hmm. Armenia Bielefeld. And I was like, oh man, this is another one of those situations. Uh, a Chris Richards one where it's hard to say no, but now you've got somebody who they bought for a million into that spot. And a million's a lot for a Groningen to go out and spend. And he's, and he's, and he's winning out in that competition, which is making him a better player and giving him a better form. Just wanted to point that out too, as this, you know, in terms of being in a situation that's not just in form because he's scoring goals, but also because he's having to win out in competition. Yes. And, and, and competition is, is what drives a player to really reach his full potential. He, he, you can't rest. And you see that in his performances. He's hungry. He's not giving up. You know, he's not, He's not thinking that he's won the job and I can I can take take my foot off the gas. And then my third player is Tim Ream. I mean, which will, I think will will kind of highlight my some of my downs. But this is a player who is playing in the Premier League. He's the captain. It's not just playing in the Premier League. He's he's a big part of of how they build out of the back. He gets a lot of touches, and whether they're sitting and defending and having a fight. For, for a result, or they feel like, oh, we get back in this game where we can we can take a little bit more chances and play higher up the field. He's surviving and he's and he's playing in a, in the best league in the world. I don't know how you you overlook him now considering how many center backs are, are out of the picture at this point. And and he's been involved, so it's not out of nowhere. You know, he knows uh, uh of course Heath is out his his camera was was shoddy anyways. But he knows exactly what Greg Berhalter wants, the expectations, and he has that experience yeah, now yeah. being an older player. So those are my three. Up. It's No, and, and I'm, it's hard for me to go against mm -hmm. the six players or the combined six players that you guys went with. Tim Ream, for sure, would be on my list. I think he's probably playing the best he's ever played in his career, Charlie. I don't, I don't know if there's any other way. In, in terms of consistency, sure, yeah, we've maybe it, seen it's better, peak, better peaks from him. But, but in terms of that consistently giving you a 7 or an 8 out of 10, every single time. And the center back position is where you need your spine of your team. You always have to have seven or eights out of 10. 
uh, if you're going to have success more often than not with your squad. And so I think Tim Ream has been delivering that consistently, at obviously a very, very high level. And you have to consider it. And if he gets brought in, I wonder what that looks like. Greg's like, hey, you want to you wanna come? complain Tim's like oh now now you need me you know that's what I would be about Tim oh, oh okay now you need me when I'm kicking ass over here all right sure I'll, I'll come play in the World Cup no big deal so I'm, I'm curious to see how that conversation goes even if he's even being considered I hope that he is another player I think that that has done a lot here is Sean Johnson he has been absolutely excellent yeah. for NYCFC in the playoffs he's made some world-class saves listen if you're going to win anything of consequence and we saw it with Sean Johnson last year when they ended up winning the MLS Cup you have to have a goalkeeper who's red hot and he's red hot right now in these first two games. And with Ethan Horvath shipping four goals against Watford this past weekend, it was a battle for that number three. I wonder if Sean Johnson can maybe squeak in there I, and, I, and eliminate Horvath for that. I would, I would also add Zach Stefan coming off a clean sheet coming he off of, of two. Like he looks like he's healthy now. I mean the four one win the, the match before the nil nil draw and the clean sheet. That's also him heading in an in, in upwards trajectory, which is which is awesome because you want both him and Matt Turner fit as can be healthy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously I think in that case, Greg Berhalter is going to go with Zach Steffen because he's playing every week and he's fit and healthy. We just haven't seen Zach Steffen fit and healthy for a long time. So if... if and they have a finally, new coach. Right. If he's finally Nick good Eric. and here we go, fine. Then that it is what it is. Get behind Zach Steffen, support him. We we all know what a what a great person he is. So um, th- those and you could throw in Mark Mark McKenzie. That was a great shout. Uh, that's my that's my third pick is okay. Mark McKenzie. Um, and I think Zach Steffen should be part of the conversation. I'm mm-hmm. curious now with Michael Carrick coming in, how he is going to do and how he's going to utilize Zach Steffen in terms of using his feet and the system they want to play. So obviously something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I think Mark McKenzie, for those that don't know, Gank is now on top of the table. They went away to Royal Antwerp this past week, who were also near the top, and they got a comprehensive 3-1 win. And I thought Mark McKenzie was a big reason why. I think he's been really solid and and uh, one of the reasons why Gank is now on top of the Belgian League. So mm-hmm. I think he is another one of the ups. All right, let's hey. get to the bads. <clears throat> Go Jimmy, ahead, real got, quick, uh, one thing that deserves an honorable mention is Kevin Paredes got his first start, played 73 minutes say, for Wol- uh, Wolfsburg, which is a which good. is a huge... It's a huge, huge sort of step forward for him because he's got a ton of potential. Um, but it's really hard to develop that if you're not getting the he's, minutes. Uh, he's at, on. The, he's on. He's an up for 2026. He's on that 2026. Yes. Yeah. He's an up for he 2026. Is. Correct. And okay. Richie Ledesma as well. That's true. Good shout. All right. Three down, Heath Pierce. And don't say Matt Turner on top. Yeah. Uh yeah. Okay. Um this is this is a this is a this is a hard one for me, guys. You know where my three downs are. I'm gonna go with injured players because it's just it's it's the main thing. Virginia Desk got it down because I don't know where he where he's at right now, and I think his his form has been improving in the team and he's been earning more respect, but not knowing where he's at injury-wise, I think is a little bit of a setback. Uh Chris Richards is another one. When I was thinking about this, we're Uh, we're at October 24th now. Here we go. We're, no, we are at October 24th. He is not training. The roster gets announced on the 9th. That is a couple weeks away from now. And there is a big that, that window. Well that for is Tim a, Ream, by the way. Yeah. Bodes well for Tim Ream. And that's why I've got these guys training up because it's like we talked about timing and you can't really plan timing of things, injuries and all that stuff. We're seeing it every single week. Somebody goes out injury uh, from a big national team around the country and you see tears in their eyes because of the magnitude of and, and the sensitivity of this time period. So for me, that's one that just hurts because we know how important Chris Richards is for this national team uh, right now, but is continuing to sort of be on the sideline on, on something that he he can't control. Um, and then the third one is, is, is uh, Ethan Horvath. Again, uh, thumping, leaving Sean Johnson in. We had made it pretty clear. I think we were kind of all in agreement at least somewhat uh, a month ago on, on him being the number three. Sean Johnson has his team on a run in the playoffs and they look fantastic. And he's the one that kept them in the game to allow them to get the cushion that they did to go to the next round. And you're, you're just seeing a playoff Sean Johnson, which when you think about confidence going into a tournament of a player that you need to step in, who's whether they're at the level or not, that thinks they can play in any game against anybody. Uh, that's a big thing. And for Ethan Horvath, uh, you know, not getting that or, or, or giving up that many goals or shipping that many goals. Although he did make, make four, four saves the same amount as, as Zach Steffen. Um, you know, certainly leaves that up for debate. So those are my those are my three at the moment. Just looking at the the time window of like it's not really in form or out of form. If a player's playing right now, I like it. And if they're not playing, whether they're on the bench or injured, 
uh, I don't like it because of just how, how close we are to the announcement of the roster. Okay, Charlie Davies, you're three down. Jesus Ferreira is, is um, just his performances in the playoffs against Minnesota and Austin. Just It's not so much that he didn't score a goal. It's more about his positioning and how he played. And and then when Dallas started to play well against Austin is because they brought in Frank O'Hara, who is a true nine, and he dropped into more of a 10 role or a second four, but more of a 10. And that's not what the national team needs. So for me, Jesus Ferreira not really playing as a true nine in this playoffs and, and Dallas needing him to be that player, for me, that that's that was kind of a shock um, to, to see that mm-hmm. because – he he's asked to do something differently for the national team. And, and that's not his tendencies because that you're, you're playing to your strengths for in the playoffs, you would think. And um, so I, I was a little, uh, I was a little down after, after watching Jesus Ferreira, these, these two games. Um, and then Chris Richards being out and it's, it, it's, it's the match fitness part because you don't know when he'll be healthy and when he'll be back in full training and, and getting matches and him supposedly being our, our number one center back at, the, at, at this time next to Walker Zimmerman, Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, and uh, Chris Richards are, are not playing matches until the World Cup. So for me, that it's troubling. It's very troubling, and, and in particular, Chris Richards, because he's not even getting to train. So think about being out for X amount of time, yeah, yeah. not training. Forget the yeah. playing portion. Right. And then uh, uh, I'm with uh, Heath and Serginho Dest. Just because you need him playing every week, he's he's going to be a big part of the national team, a right back who will be involved in the attack. But we need him to defend. We need him playing and, and growing and learning and coming off at half to an injury that that's a cause for concern. And, and you can't say three down for Yedlin because he didn't play because he's out. Well, right. that's that's well, I was going to throw that in as a blanket. Everybody that's been knocked out of the MLS Cup playoffs. And is just sitting at home chilling. Not that the rest isn't important. They get a little bit of a emotional rest as well after a long season and a lot of pressure. So I know there's some value there. We all know that value. But at some point, you got to start to hit the switch and start to get back into the mode that you need to be able to compete and be sharp for the highest of high levels. So that that, that would be kind of a one for me. Luca De La Torre is on my list. Dude has disappeared at Celta de Vigo. So I don't know what's going on with him. And, and obviously... I think he can help us. In they play today, so hopefully he plays, but he won't play. He's not going to play. We already know he, he's like eleven minutes all season. So I'm just kind of disappointed. What, he took what a took disappointing move. Yeah, you yeah, take the risk. yeah, but he but Charlie risk. thinks. Look at the environment that he's in every day, Jimmy. He's training <laughs> with good players. No, no, Charlie's changed. Look at he's talking about Chris Richards on his three down for the first time. I'm talking about it, playing. You need to play. You, you need, need to play. play. Okay, and then uh, I'm with you on Jesus Ferreira, Charlie. I think that's. I was also disappointed in his – this was his time to, to step up and put the team on his back when they needed it, and he didn't really step up and fulfill that. And I think that needs to be looked at, and he needs to be held accountable for that. And any players that aren't playing well. We're, but I think well, we're at an era, Jimmy. We're at an era that our national team star, striker, needs to be a star. Yes. Right? Yes. You do not get to disappear in the playoffs. I get that you're young. I get that you have potential. But we need, we are at a talent pool of players that they need to be a star in the biggest moments, not in the smallest moments. I agree with you. Okay. All right. Not, be- it's not even being a star. It's like not even, I'm not even saying he needs to score, but making an impact, saying, oh, maybe it was one of those games where it wasn't going in, but he was const- a constant threat. He was constantly winning the ball back. He was constantly dribbling at players, creating uh, those 1v1 opportunities and, and creating space for other teammates. It just, for two games in a row, he was a non-factor. Yep, he was, and that's uh, that's disappointing for a lot of different reasons. Okay, final thoughts. If you want to bring up the MLS Cup playoffs, we're down to our final four. You can, Charlie. I'll come to you as a resident MLS extra time mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> correspondent. What do you, what do you got for us? Um, I, I hope I get to see you guys in New York uh, the next two ga- days. Well, no, no we're, uh, we didn't get the invite, but appreciate you saying that. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd be in New York. Regardless. No. no. Okay. No. Well, no. Uh, my well, final- well, big old, big old song, guys. <laughs> well, uh, my final thought is uh, it was it was a great recap show uh, going over the fun. weekend. And three up, three down. Got to love it. No Matt Turner this yeah. time for Heath. So. Yeah, he's, he survived. Heath Pierce, uh, final thought. Yes. 
uh, my final thoughts are, yeah, this is a great, a great weekend where I think people are getting excited about just some performances. Cause while we don't have our entire team in form, it's actually gone the other direction where it's like we had good form and then our big stars weren't playing. At least we have our stars playing now and we've got to worry about how we're going to not ship a bunch of goals, uh, in the group stages. So overall, I think a solid weekend. <laughs> It was. It was a solid weekend and a shout out to all the teams in MLS that got to the final four. We got LAFC taking on Austin FC and then we got Philadelphia Union, the top seed in the East, taking on NYCFC, who look absolutely fantastic right now. The reigning champs doing the business. Also, I don't want to confirm or deny any rumors, but we might have Gio Reyna on the show on Thursday. So make sure you set your calendars, hit like mm -hmm. and subscribe, drop us a follow, whatever you have to do to make that happen. It will be a lot of fun, assuming it happens. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. All right, that is it. We're done here on Soccer We Trust. So thank you on behalf of Producer Des, Producer Alex, Charlie Chuck, Wacken Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'm Jimmy Trashcan, Cream Cheese, Conrad Dino Conrad, saying thank you for watching and listening as always. And we will see you next time. Later. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.